everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but Foodie married Beast anyway, and together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on a beautiful weekend in our nation's capital. Glad to be here. we got a great show today. Um, you, one of the usual suspects is back. It's Nick Farrell. He's, he's the spirits director for Neighborhood Restaurant Group. And he's now at Show at Hands, which is their new cocktail bar. Up in on, the Roost. In it's the Roost. in the Roost. I don't know what your, what your problem You didn't give me a chance to say it, but uh-huh. it's in the Roost mm-hmm. um, on Capitol Hill. And uh, Nick's going to be pouring, or mixing up and pouring up some stuff for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isidre Sala heads the delegation of the government of Catalonia to the U.S. and Canada. Uh, the Catalan uh, Gastronomic Week is a new initiative of theirs uh, launched to celebrate, I want to say it right, San Jordi's Day. Do I have it right? I do. I'm good at that. Uh, it's one of the most important days in the Catalan calendar, and we're going to hear all about that. It's a festival of love and literature, and I love literature. So we'll hear about that as well. Chef Matt Adler is back with us. He's the chef partner at Caruso's Grocery at Pike and Rose and on the Hill, and he makes a mean everything. <laughs> Some of the best Italian food in the city. Uh, it's a neighborhood restaurant group offering, and Matt's going to tell us about what's going on there. Zena Poland is another old friend. Not old, but longtime friend. Right. I don't yeah, be c- careful there, David. And she's Seriously. Got one, she's got one of the greatest first names ever. She's, mm-hmm. a, she's a warrior. Uh, she's the owner of Beauty Champagne and Sugar Boutique in Arlington? Crystal City. Crystal City. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's a wine bar, bottle shop, bistro, and boutique. We're going to hear all about that. And Max Pena is here. He's GM at Cui Cui in Shaw. It's a great Puerto Rican restaurant, authentic Puerto Rican food. And we're going to get to taste some of that and talk with him a little later. But first, Nick Farrell. Hey, Nick. Hi, how's it going? What are you up to? It's been a Uh, minute, Nick. What's been happening? (laughs) Well, uh, we did a lot of bottled cocktails throughout the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's the last time you came. Yeah. Were you in studio or was that online? That was online. Wow. It's been a while. It's been a while. Mm -hmm. But uh, finally got to open Show of Hands, which is low ABV cocktail focused with Mm -hmm. a rotating menu, typically focused on non-base spirits, uh, though we do incidentally have a great whiskey selection as well. Because you got to have a little yeah, ABV. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that's exactly. Just a little exactly. ABV and the a high ABV. Bit, a little bit for everyone. Right. You know? um, and then doing the cocktails for Caruso's as well as all other energy spots. Well, can you just give us a little umbrella of show of hands like, and how it fits in with all the offerings at the Roost? Sure. So uh, the Roost is a uh, culinary food hall uh, with... It used to be called a clubhouse. <laughs> used to be called a clubhouse, mm-hmm. yeah. Um with uh, Caruso's, an Italian spot uh, next to it, um, mm-hmm. uh, as well as, uh, let's see, we have sushi, we have uh, a burger spot, we do tacos, uh, we do an all-day German cafe, we do great pizza. I think a diner round is in order. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Field trip. Uh, and Show of Hands is a bar within the roost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the focus is really drinkable cocktails because you can have so many different types of food and stay there for a long time and hang out. Uh, so it's meant to be drinkable, fun, accessible, 
Cool. Uh, what are you doing first? Everything. So the first Speaking thing of drinking, doing, yeah. what are you doing first? Let me just ask you a question. So, what would yeah. be Wait. the point of a cocktail if it wasn't drinkable? <laughs> but I'm fine. Very Thank true. Very okay, true. Okay. Sorry. Thank you. Um, so the first thing we're doing is a sherry vermouth cobbler. So uh, vermouth is our theme right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is using Lustau sherry vermouth, a little bit of velvet falernum, uh, some citrus, uh, and yeah, we're going to shake it up. It's going to be super refreshing. So. Great. Thank you so much. While you're you doing that, we're going to talk about Catalonia. We're going to talk about San Day. So Isidre, you're on the show now. I hope we can hear you. You are you in are you in Spain? Now? Where are you? No, 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 no. I'm in the U.S. I'm not oh. in D.C. I'm on the weekend on to, in Princeton, but I'm in the U.S. Oh, okay, okay. I got you. So why don't we start from the start? Um, the, tell us about San Jordi's Day and how it became such a big event, really, in Catalan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's uh, it's the, uh, clearly the most beautiful day in Catalonia. If you ever have the choice to to pick the time you want to visit Catalonia, uh, pick around San Jordi because it's the, the wonderful, it's the most wonderful day. So San Jordi is the traditional Saint Patron Day of, of Catalonia, San George. So it's April the twenty third, and uh, it's a day that has been uh, for centuries celebrated in in Catalonia, and it's also a nice combination between San Valentine's because it's the, our day, the day of the, the love. So it's a traditional day where, where uh, in the past the men gives uh, to the love uh, women or fiance or or, or wife uh, a rose. And in also in the day of the culture, where uh, in the past uh, the wife or the fiance gives uh, as a gift uh, to a, a book to, to his uh, wife or of, uh, to, to his husband or fiance. So uh, nowadays, the truth is that we have overcome this kind of uh, of past frames, and we are everybody is exchanging to each other books and roses. That's mm-hmm. why we celebrate both the love and the culture in one single day. And it's a beautiful day because uh, 60% of the books in Catalonia are sold in this single day. Really? And about, really, really, everybody buys books these days and to for themselves and to give to the loved ones, families and friends. And so, and also there are, uh, yeah. how do you, how do you, um, how are we planning on executing that here in D.C.? Well, the idea is that uh, we are going to uh, organize with other entities mm-hmm. uh, like the, the, the Catalan, um, we call it CASAL, is the Catalan Association of uh, People of Catalan Origins in Catalonia, and also a Catalan library that is in Kensington, is going to organize a, a gathering on April the 23rd from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., where it's going to be uh, books, it's going to be roses, and it's going to be culture. It's going to be concerts, it's going to be uh, authors who are going to explain about the presenter books, they're going to write some fragments of these books, and we are going to have also Catalan music, because there is a, 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 US, a, a US band whose uh, leader is uh, has got Catalan roots, so they also combine uh, music in English and music in, in Catalan. So, but you're also launching this gastronomic week. Absolutely. And yeah, so, yeah, how are we all supposed to participate in that? What are restaurants yeah. that are participating? What are some of the dishes that we can look forward to? Exactly. So, you know, because we have a slogan that is called in Catalonia, where the food is culture. So, we believe that uh, food is a, a very strong part of uh, of the culture of any given nation, of course. 
And uh, we thought that beyond what we can do here in DC, of course, this country is very large, we have to go to everywhere, no? So we thought that uh, food could be the driver of this uh, celebration uh, in, you know, in the whole US. And what we did is that for the first time, we connect 20 plus restaurants in the whole US from East to West Coast, from Florida to Michigan, where they are going to join together with a single branding. It is Catalan Gastronomic Week, and they are going to offer Catalan receipts, Catalan uh, specialties in all restaurants. So each restaurant is going to be offering maybe different things because mm -hmm. Catalan uh, food is very, uh, the variety is huge. It's one of the richest uh, actually uh, cuisines in the world. And therefore everyone has got these from first courses to dessert. So it's going to be uh, quite large. So for people who are maybe not familiar with the cuisine, can you give us like some some of the dishes that like are your favorite? Yeah, of course. Uh, so the, the, the first point is that uh, we are blessed actually uh, because we, uh, Catalonia, it's, it's in an area where uh, the agricultural is very rich. Mm -hmm. And oh, it's a Mediterranean region where you have, uh, you know, a large variety of vegetables, also of livestock. And also we have an element that maybe other cuisines don't have, is that we have a, a long coast. So there is also a, a strong presence of fish mm. and uh, dishes in our cuisine. So we have, from, for example, seafood paella, which is something that it's... Um, favorite for, for, for many of the people to all kind of, for example, specialities around the salad. For example, one very famous is uh, chatonada, which is like a salad with, with vegetables and cod. Mm. Also, if you ask my favorite, I will tell you, I'm going to confess, my favorite breakfast, it's uh, tomato bread. So it's you have uh, uh, bread, homemade bread, you spread some tomato, some people spread also some garlic. This is uh, optional because it's very strong. Right, they wrap olive the garlic oil. on oh, the bread. Oh, olive oil, hello, right? right? Absolutely. And then you put some anchovies. Mm. This is amazing. You have a great day after this breakfast, for sure. Right. I don't know. Uh, olive oil is present everywhere. Mm -hmm. In salads, when you cook, when you're in everywhere. And it's just also, you know, as you know, it's very healthy. So it's something that really... Uh, it's in the center of our discussion. I'm going to ask a favor because there may be folks in our audience who know the name Catalonia but don't know what major cities fit into Catalonia. Can you help? Uh, excuse me again. Well, in other words, know? in other words, people who, who who have been to Spain but may not necessarily yeah. know even know that they were in Catalonia per se. What are oh, the yeah. major cities? Yeah. Yeah, of course. The capital city is Barcelona, mm -hmm. and it's that it's even more well known than than, than Catalonia yes. itself. But uh, you know, Catalonia is uh, in the northeast of the uh, Iberian Peninsula. It's it's an area which con it's uh, own distinctive culture and language and history, and um, it's not very large. Uh, we used to say that it's about the the size of Maryland, both in extension and in number of people. We are a little bit higher with 7.8 million people. But uh, the, the thing is that a lot of people only know Barcelona. I am I am I am I love Barcelona. That's my, that's been my, my city before I moved to the US. I was living there for 14 years, but I always uh, tell everyone Catalonia is much more than Barcelona city. We have in the coast, in the north, the Costa Brava. It's an amazing place. You will find some of the best beaches in the world there. You have the Pyrenees, some mountains with, with a lot of snow, and you can ski in winter and have a lot of hiking and trekking in summer. Mm -hmm. And you have all the, also other cities like Lleida, like Girona, like Tarragona that has got uh, thousands of years of history. 
you got nice old cities and uh, well it's it's it, it's it's a lot of things different things in such a small uh, portion of land so you can drive right in a couple of hours to everywhere well that that helps now do me a favor we we have to wrap up will you just tell us give us all the details uh for the event here locally to celebrate yeah. san jordi's day yeah absolutely so we are going to have on this very day, day on San Jordi in Kensington, we are going to celebrate this uh, this uh, Kensington Day of the Book. It's going to be stalled, it's going to be roses, it's going to be books, and it's going to be food, Catalan food, and it's going to be concerts. Uh, so Can that, you, that I'm so anyway. sorry, but we have to go to break. Can you give us um, uh, the website, yeah. please, where everybody can find the details? And uh, yes, and the restaurants are going to be uh, free in DC, Jaleo, you know, everybody think Achondo in, in 14th Street and Cranes in, in 9th Street. All right. Excellent. And could you have a website that you can send everybody to? Uh, we have the website of our delegation, but we don't have like, a okay. website. Okay, great. We will post that on the Everything Nikki's will website. be on the list, arewana.com. Thank you so All much right, for DCJ. joining us. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Booty and the Beast will be back in just a sec. Okay, so anybody who knows me knows that if it's sports, I will watch it on TV, except for cricket. I don't do cricket. But I love going <laughs> to watch my sports at Nick's Riverside Grill in Georgetown. It's fabulous. They've got 21 TV screens down there. Uh, they've got a great selection of beers. The food is terrific. They've got a dish called the Crazy Big Nachos that is exactly as described, and a Detroit-style deep-dish pizza that's just nuts. And there's nothing like watching a game, stuff in your face with a bunch of people that are enjoying it just like you are. Nick's Riverside Grill in Georgetown. If you love sports and you love fun food, go there. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're going to throw it back to Nick Farrell to talk about the drink. Nice drink. Little yep. powerful drink. <laughs> so the drink we're about to do is a Caruso's cocktail. It's called the Antipasti Dirty Martini. Mm. Uh, and it is uh, made with What a, makes it dirty? Uh, it's actually mozzarella brine. Oh. So uh, we're using so a So there's a little bit of like, is it lactic acid in there? Or no, is it, it fat? It's, just, it, it's, the, it's the actual water uh, from the mozzarella that goes right, into- Right, but what but, would be in there? Like what- what what's, what's leaching water? what's leaching oh, out of the cheese yeah. so, so what's happening a, a couple of things it's it, it's the brine but there's a little bit of creaminess that comes through as well mm-hmm. and when you add the alcohol actually curds right, form but pardon me what were you smoking when you said i'm going to try and pour some of this <laughs> some of the goop from the mozzarella in with my drink it's called being creative well, i know but i mean yeah. like how desperate are you how about crest or or uh, lavoris or something like that i mean well why not why right? not <laughs> You just or, gave me a or, couple of or, ideas. Or Clorox, you know, make, <laughs> okay. that, make that guy happy. No, okay. but, wait, no, but how do you come seriously? up with that? Sure. I, I think it's fun to look at savory in cocktails as uh, more than just olives, right? So it's all about the components that go together. So there was this it. tomato gin that mm-hmm. I tried a couple of years ago. I remember that. And mm-hmm. just said, all right, well, what goes with tomatoes? What makes sense with Caruso's food? All right, pour that drink. martini. So let's go. This does not. This does not sound low ABV. We're going to talk to your compadre Matt Adler, who is an old friend of ours, not that old either, but long time. Uh, He's chef partner Caruso's Grocery at Pike and Rose and on the Hill, and his food is a number one. A number one. Well, but you have um, a long background in cooking. You've been around the block a couple times. We first met you when you opened up. 
Osteria Marini, yeah, right? Yeah. That was like your uh, entryway into the that, DC like mark. Twelve years ago, fifteen years ago, ten years ago, two thousand thirteen. Wow, um, but that is a very different Italian, yeah, for sure. You know, sort of way of doing things. How did you go about sort of creating what you wanted to do at Caruso's? So Caruso's is a neighborhood Italian red sauce joint. Uh, we opened our first location on Capitol Hill and. Um, May of 2021, uh, and what we want to do is just really classic Italian-American food. So mm -hmm. chicken parmesan and uh, spaghetti and meatballs, bucatini with Neapolitan ragu. But we don't want to do chef-interpreted versions of it. We just want to do the best possible version we can. So we want to use great ingredients, we want to use good technique, and we want to serve it at a really affordable price point uh, so we can be a neighborhood Italian restaurant. I think, you know, in, in D.C., uh, and in general, with raising prices, um, you know, it's hard to go out and get a good meal for under $100 these days. Oh, yeah. And we're really focused on keeping pastas under $25, chicken parm $25, our salads and appetizers under $15, and our cocktails that Nick Farrell's making, mm -hmm. $12. Uh, and we feel like, you know, that, that brings us, uh, you know, a neighborhood feel to the restaurant. Well, and I think that's really important not to mention that both of your properties are in neighborhoods. 100%. You yeah. know, um, can we talk about, I mean, you're here today to talk about Pike and Rose, um, which is in our neighborhood, which is really <laughs> nice. Um, but can we talk about site selection, how you guys sort of came up with both these concepts to be in these two places? Because NRG has restaurants in lots of places. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I started working with NRG in 2019 to help develop the roost, actually. And Michael, uh, the CEO, uh, started talking to me about what he thought. Michael Babin. Michael Babin. Uh, what hey, he give him his shout out. Michael Babin. <laughs> there we go. What uh, what restaurant, because there's one full service restaurant at the Roost, what he wanted that to be. And he said he always wanted to do a, you know, a red sauce joint, kind of like what he used to go. Okay, can we explain, up. for those who maybe don't know. We've never driven sure, through yeah. New Jersey. I mean, what a red, I mean, I know red sauce <laughs> joint. I grew up with it, you know, <laughs> Sunday gravy. But for those who don't know, what is a red sauce joint to you? <laughs> So it's, um, you know, it's a neighborhood Italian restaurant. Again, it's, um, you know, a place where, you're, where, where you will find chicken parmesan, uh, spaghetti and meatballs. Again, that affordability, that price point is so important to it. The kind of place you can go on a Tuesday night, grab a quick bowl of pasta and a glass of wine, or you can go out for a celebratory meal on a Saturday, get a beautiful mm. bottle of Barolo, uh, you know, and a, uh, a bigger meal. Talk about the recipes, though, because who's, I mean, is this? Where'd they come from? So my dad had a red sauce joint called Scoozy when I was growing up, and I worked there. You know what that means? Excuse it means me. Excuse me. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh, so I worked there when I was growing up. Where, uh, though? Uh, upstate New York, uh, mm -hmm. Rockland County. And then, you know, I, I went to culinary school, and I, I ran as far away from that kind of food as I could. Uh, went to New York City, worked in fancy Italian restaurants, fancy French restaurants, I just I wasn't interested in that kind of food, and it took me a long time. Uh, and I, but technique is technique. Technique is technique. So absolutely, you're bringing technique Especially to the kind with of food that, making, right yes, that 100%. you grew up with, right? Yeah. So can we talk about the integrity of the 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 dishes? Like why it's not just like because they're listen. I'm trying to put this politely. There's lots of red sauce joints <laughs> that are like we don't have to do much more. Yeah than the checkered tablecloth and the Chianti bottle with the candle in it because that's our that's our shtick. But they're not really putting a lot of integrity into the food. Yep. So how do you change that? So for us, it's about every step. It's about making fresh pasta. It's about properly pounding out the veal, um, you know, buying really good quality ingredients to start with and mm -hmm. then um, treating them properly. And, 
you know, the, the food looks simple on the outside, but it takes an incredible amount of work to, uh, you know, get the product in, prepare everything, and then get it on the plate exactly. Well, because you're not using jarred sauce. No. You're making your own sauces, fresh. right? You have gorgeous seafood. I mean, I'm the Fra Diablo fan. But one might make the assumption, because there used to be um, a red sauce joint up on New, at New York Avenue and 6th, AV's Ristorante that was there oh, forever. Yeah. yeah, I've heard about that. And this. it was a great restaurant. Yeah. The food was terrific, but the wine list was... Mm. So who, I mean, who put together your wine list and how do you sort of avoid, you know, kind of the cheap red wine thing that might, uh, people might associate with? For sure. Yeah. So Aaron Dudley, uh, who's the wine director for Neighborhood Restaurant Group, put together the wine list. And again, that same ethos that we brought to the, that Nick brought to the cocktails and I brought to the food program, affordability, really good quality producers and not stuff you're going to find in the grocery store. So great bottles of wine, great price point, delicious. You can drink lots of it. Well, and you have an incredible Italian selection. We do. I yeah. mean, she really does a beautiful job on that. Job, for sure. Um, and can we just talk quickly? I mean, you brought in tiramisu today. Did, yeah. um, can we talk about sort of how you went about? Because tiramisu, people feel very differently about. Lots of people are doing they it in do. different they ways. Do, yeah. Can we give it's you very... an unsolicited testimonial? Because because that is our dessert when we go to Caruso's. <laughs> right. And it's not because I like you, and I do. This is this is as good as you're going to get Appreciate in Italy. It. Appreciate it. I mean, the same the same process we did with everything. We really mm-hmm. took our time and said, how can we make the best possible tiramisu? And we spent a long time testing it. Uh, and this is what we came up with. Do people know the tiramisu means turn me upside down? Uh, most people do not. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. now you know, folks. <laughs> now you can think of all the ways to use the term <laughs> tiramisu. Um, you know, last <laughs> night I said to Nikki, tiramisu. Yes, okay. And she said, what? Okay. Uh, Matt. Can we also talk about the location sure. um, at Pike and Rose in Bethesda slash Rockville and how you sort of turned that restaurant around to become Caruso's with the outdoor space and the bar and everything going on there? So Owens Ordinary opened uh, 2016, had a great run uh, up until Zina's the like, pandemic. like, oh, now I know where it is. <laughs> great run up until the pandemic. Uh, and then, you know, as as bars did during the pandemic, they had a bit of a rough time. So what we did was we kept the bar part in front. We changed it to Owen's Tavern and Garden. And then we transferred the back dining room into Caruso's Grocery. Uh, and so we have 105 seats there. It's almost twice the size of our D.C. property. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're right in the back of Pike and Rose. And uh, it's been great. You know, the, the community has really welcomed us there. And so now excited. if you go and you want to eat outside when the, pa- uh, the patio is open, patio, right? Yep. Um, and I do love at the bar you can eat can inside, inside or outside. Yeah. I love the way the windows yep, work. 100%. Um, can you get the Caruso's menu? You can. You can okay. get either menu anywhere in there. Right, because why make it why complicated, make it yeah. right? I love that. Um, any sort of like cool, exciting things that are coming up that we should know about? No, we're not too exciting there. We just try and do a the addition you know, to carbon of carbonara. To addition the menu. to carbonara, <laughs> perhaps when David comes in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> No, but is there, like, do you change the menu? Are you looking at new things? Or you're just looking to perfect what's on there and we're keep o- it We're always looking to do a great job. We just opened our second location a few months ago, and we want to make sure that location is as great as the first one consistently, and mm-hmm. we'll see what happens from there. Okay, and how do you work with Nick on the cocktails? Like, this, I'm not a martini drinker, but this is a martini I would Nick, drink, and then if, I would be and on then the you floor. And then you would be in the hospital. <laughs> I but, I mean. So I'd say of all the people that worked on the concept, Nick got it right off the bat. We started talking about it, and I was like, this is what I'm envisioning for the cocktail I program. I saw him hand you a check earlier. Mm-hmm. He's, like, he's like, I got you. Don't worry about it. I'm like, are you sure? Let's talk about it. He's like, trust me. And he started making the drinks, and they're exactly what we wanted. So really? Been, yeah. But what did you want? 
I mean, I mean, this is an interesting martini. So were you like, yes, I want you to put mozzarella in my martinis? <laughs> I would say this is one of the more creative ones for sure. But okay. a lot of the other ones like the Godfather uh, Manhattan, the old fashioned, uh, mm -hmm. they're really just takes on the classic drinks, just like our food is. I love that. All right. Tell everybody where they can find you, please. Uh, we're in Pike and Rose in Rockville, Maryland, mm -hmm. and we're on Capitol Hill. Excellent. In the roost. In the roost. Okay. In Absolutely. the roost. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we are back with Foodie and the Beast, David and Nikki Nellis, and we are joined by our friend Zena Poland, who is the owner of Beauty Champagne and Sugar Boutique, but has owned lots of other stuff prior to this. Why don't you give us a little 411 on you? Well, let's see. Uh, I came back to the D.C. area after living in Puerto Rico uh, for about eight years. I feel like a gauntlet is about to be thrown here. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so excited about the next one. And, uh, yeah, and then I had the uh, the Daily Dish and the Dish and Dram over, right? You know, Dish and Dram was right by you guys. And then COVID kind of hit, and I was looking to do something else. And luckily, during COVID, um, I got some time to explore what it was I really wanted to do. And then in, in September of 2000. What are we in now? 2023? I know. I can't keep track. Oh my like God. You don't I, know. I don't know where oh we gosh. are. Like, you must have had a sip of that martini. <laughs> I don't even know I what did day a of the couple week of sips is. of that. Mm -hmm. So we started working on that, and we opened. We're just about a year now at Beauty Champagne and Sugar, and um, it's been really fun. So this is a much smaller place that I'm used to. It's just me and uh, one it's other person. It's in a little blue house, right? In a little blue house right there on what I like to call old school 23rd Street, right? So mm -hmm. right across from Freddy's and the Irish bar up in there. And the so little what house. is it? What's the concept? So it's a wine bar. It's a bottle shop, bistro, and boutique. So it's a, it's basically divided. It's an old Victorian home, so it's really pretty. And in one room, you have your wine shop. And people, what we want to be is where people come in and they say, you know, these last couple of days with Easter, I'm going to go visit my grandmother. She needs a Pinot Noir. I'm going to go. I have a wine tasting with somebody. I want to blind test. I want to surprise them. And so they come in and we'll just be like, what's your grape? What's your price point? And we actually set up our wines in tables. So we have like 15 to $22, 25 and 30 and up. Smart. And we have some grapes, too. And we have a lot of champagne and sparkling. What's the beauty part? Beauty part was something that we we just uh, my original business partner and I we just kind of came up with it. It was supposed to be some. It was originally supposed to be part of a two part thing. Actually, up in Pike and Rose was something we were looking at, and then we realized the world has changed from COVID. We shortened it, and now we're kind of now that I have it, I'm kind of rebranding it really as this. Its name is Beauty Champagne and Sugar Boutique, but really more of a wine bar, bottle shop, the beauty mm -hmm. boutique. Yeah. So can people? Do you? How do you want people to enjoy the property? Do you want people to buy a bottle and drink it there? Do you want them to sit down and drink and eat there? Like, how? What? Walk me through it. So when you come in, you the, when you first come in, you have what we call our, our the sugar the sugar area, mm -hmm. and that's where I bake everything except for I, I tried to learn how to make macaron and that didn't work very well. So I bake They're everything. Hard. So you see, we have our chocolate cake, chocolate cake, and beautiful. we have our knock you naked bars. And we have two kinds of cookies. These Wait, are our guilty back up. pleasures. Knock me uh -huh. naked. What's in a knock me naked so bar? So the knock you naked bar is what I like to call a chocolate chip brookie. So a chocolate chip cookie bottom, caramel and peanut butter in the middle. Yum. And more chocolate chip cookie on top. That's one of our signatures, and we really love it. It and sounds delicious. I just started really involuntarily. Drooling. <laughs> <laughs> and we do our guilty pleasure cookies. That's a, a homemade marshmallow fluff and chocolate chips and potato chips. And we have a lot of fun with uh, Rice Krispie Treats. I bake this chocolate cake, which I made just to make it look pretty today. It's so pretty. So that's the one way that they do it. People come in. A lot of kids come in. We have candy and that kind of thing. Then we have a little bistro. And in the bistro area, so I brought some of the wines to show you. Our bistro area, we focus on 
women in black-owned wineries. Or, or So we have, for example, Netzel out of Austria, which I really think five years ago when I was on the show, I brought them in because I just right. love them. Uh, we have Kamusha. This is our friend Tanache. He's a Zimbabwean who makes wine in South Africa. He was just in town. So we focus on that in the bistro. So what we really like is this twofold, right? Fair mm-hmm. enough question. We like people come in, and I love the wine shop part. I mean, I just love, like, people come in and just finding what they want at the price point they want. We've tasted 99% of our wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know a lot of the winemakers, the regions, and so we get to say, oh, here, here's our friend Kim McPherson from Texas. Try this wine. Or here's our friends from Austria. Try this. Well, I, I would imagine for people, you know, there's so much concern about price in wine, right? Especially mm-hmm. if people are giving a gift or something like that. They don't want to come across as cheap, but right. when they don't know what they're spending money on, the education is so valuable, yeah. right? Because so many big, big box or big brand wines yep. are known simply because of their marketing. Right. But it doesn't mean they're actually any no, better ex- than a I, smaller I mean, I property. I that experience last night. I went to a wine, a pretty prodigious mm-hmm. wine store near our house. Nobody there knew anything. Yeah. No, they don't know anything Zero. about that wine store. Well, we're really, we're really careful about that. And what we do is we actually put little things on a lot of the wine bottles that tells you so when you come in, you'll have, you don't have to always talk with us because not everybody wants that. They want to kind of know where they're going, right, before mm-hmm. they ask us questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we try to do is be – we don't try to compete with the big box. We try to be pretty aggressive in our pricing. We try – we're constantly changing based on what people come in, like people are asking about different wines. We have a wine club, and I worked really hard to get into Sancerre because Sancerres are crazy difficult to get right now. They're so good. They're so good, and I just this. But rosé season is coming, so and if I can't have a Sancerre, huge. I will have a rosé. Oh, I tasted off some amazing rosés, so we're going to have those for May. So yes, yeah, it's, it's difficult, but we try to be aggressively enough that mm-hmm. the pricing makes sense, and we like to call it like you have your Monday Tuesday wines, your Wednesday Thursday wines, and your weekend wines, and that's mm-hmm. why we have a cart that goes to twenty two bucks. And then your Saturday bottle. So <laughs> tell us about right. the wine club. The wine club's really fun. We just started up in March, um, and the way that we do it is uh, right now it's well, it's forty eight dollars a month. You get either one or two bottles. So, for example, in June we just tasted. Speaking of some fabulous Italian, we just tasted something spectacular that we're going to do one beautiful bottle in June. So what is mm-hmm. it? Uh, I can't tell you right now, but it's going She's to be like, if you want it, get, become a part of the club. <laughs> and then in May, because it's the holidays and Mother's Day and graduation, we have some wonderful sparkles, right. rosés. July, we may or may not throw in some beer. I won't let that split. You know, so we want to do fun things with it, vermouth and all that. And then we have gatherings and uh, tastings and all that sort of stuff. And what are you doing for Mother's Day? So Mother's Day, we're going to be doing a all you kind of all you can eat brunch and mimosas, mm-hmm. uh, sixty dollars all inclusive, uh, gratuity and everything except tax. And we're going to do what we we're really good at doing kind of what we call grazing tables, right? We like to have a nice big table filled with things. So we'll have our cheese and charcuterie, and we'll add in French toast. I and like the idea maize. of grazing. That's been so we do we rent our little space, mm-hmm. and that's what we always call it a grazing table. So people can just come and pick up what they want. I'm and, thinking of like those. Insta, like those mm-hmm. reels and Insta stories, yeah. you know what I mean? Of yeah. like huge tables just decked out with beautiful food. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm thinking about before I met you when uh, I used to feed myself by just standing in front of the refrigerator. It's a combination of those two yeah, things. that's what it was. <laughs> Mine is prettier. <laughs> Yours is definitely His prettier. is not. Healthier, yeah. too. I, yeah. <laughs> um, that's amazing. And so what drew you to this property? Well, so in the beginning, um, you know, we knew Amazon. We're right a minute's drive from where the Amazon headquarters is supposed to be. We're in the top of 23rd Street. Again, the old school 23rd Street. Right. Uh, is there had, a new school 23rd well, Street? Well, you know, they have the area in the back there that has a lot of some wonderful places. Um, 
kind of more round the round the corner from us, but we're like where Bob and Edith's and the Irish Bar and Freddy's mm. is. That's where we are, right mm-hmm. at the top of that. But we face the neighborhood. So the idea, though, was somewhat to have a little bit of the Amazon. But mm-hmm. it turns out the National Landing bid has been wonderful. They've done all these events that we've been able to be a part of. We have a lot of community. You see a lot of people in the military that come in. There's no other wine bars in the area, so they come it. in, and we really get to engage with that. There's no, and we, you know, we close by nine, mm. so it's the come in before dinner or come in after, have a glass of champagne, a piece of cake, little munchies. It's for someone who loves the industry as much as I do. It's almost That's the best a good of way all of the selling world. It. All, all right, right Cena, tell yeah, wrap yeah. you up. Tell us where we can uh, find you. Yep, we're on uh, 576 23rd Street South, which is the corner of. 23rd and Fern in Crystal City. And we have four free parking spots, which also makes a big deal for them. Love it. Thank you, Sina. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Right. Okay, Nick, quickly come back up. We'll give you more time at the Nick, end. Hurry before we're too zonked. To <laughs> yeah, talking. what are we making? I mean, first of all, as I said, the cocktail is just fabulous. Awesome. I mean, really delicious. Who's this one? Um, so, yes, tell us so what you're doing next. We're moving into a non alcoholic cocktail. Okay, good. To, I'm uh, going to need it after the martini. Bit, but sticking with the vermouth theme. Uh, this is a non-alcoholic uh, martini mm-hmm. with a house-made non-alcoholic vermouth. Excellent. All right. You get to that. We'll be back to you. All right. We're going to talk to my new best friend, Max Pina, who mm-hmm. is general manager at Quiqui in Shaw. It's an authentic Puerto Rican restaurant. And But you're new. We are new. When we, did you open? We have been open for a little over a year and a half Well, now. you were a food truck before that, weren't Correct. you? Correct. We were a food truck. Um, Chef Ishmael Mendez uh, started the food truck uh, about two or three years ago. Um, initially, just sort of ro- roaming around Maryland, um, parts of DC, um, and just doing a mostly catering out of the food truck, um, posting up at a couple of different events, different locations. Um, and a space opened up uh, above the passenger on 7th Street. Mm-hmm. Um, Good spot. It's a great location. We're right in the heart of Shaw. Um, the neighborhood has been super welcoming. Um, it's really been a fantastic uh, experience so far. And what was it that Chef really wants to execute? Like, let's talk about Puerto Rican food as his vision, like the cuisine that he wants to serve. Sure, yeah. So the the food really lends itself to paying homage to um, local Puerto Rican cuisine, um, a little bit of his uh, Mexican heritage. So he's going to be half Mexican, half Puerto Rican. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Mexican side is going to be leaning a little bit more towards the cooking techniques, while as the Puerto Rican side is going to be definitely more seasoned focused. Well, I got a question. No, oh, let go me ahead. just jump in because, yeah. you know, Puerto Rico is an island, it lots is. of seafood. And yeah. We were there that we had a lot of seafood. But are there sort of micro regions? Well, that's there what I was going to say, regionally. Because Very much so. The oh, no. west part You're of the to island is question. totally different than <laughs> the east part of the island as far as cuisine Very and much how so. people, and the center part of the island Very and how much people so. cook. So his, his heritage is going to be closer to the west side, um, okay. Sorenio Rincon. Mm-hmm. Um, so the sounds the, much better when you say it. <laughs> uh, so one of the main um, sort of signatures that we've kind of come across is people who grew up eating eastern side of the island Puerto Rican cuisine versus western side is the mofongo, right? So the mofongos on the eastern side tend Made famous by Saturday Night Live. Precisely. <laughs> no, so. it was famous before so the east, eastern side of the island is going to have But wait, can, for people who don't know what that is, can sure. you explain that dish, please? So mofongo is going to be fri- uh, double-fried plantain smashed typically with a um, ahi oil, so like a okay. garlic oil. Are th- is it mortared and pestled? It is. It's a mortar okay. and pestle. Um, and so we got our guy in the kitchen who's been making them for us since the beginning um, and does a superb massive arms, massive arms, 
super, he doesn't talk much. He's extremely focused. <laughs> um, and so the eastern side of the island, when they're making mofongos, typically are going to be using a caldo, so a stock of sorts, um, depending on what the um, the protein is. So whether it's going to be camarones or carne frita. And the western side is going to be a little bit drier. So um, we do have a couple of variations of mofongos that we uh, that we provide. Well, that's what I was going to ask because plantanos are, you know, they're normally when you have them, they're sweet. Correct. So well, is there a sweet version of mofongo? Or? So the mo- so the, no, the, the mofongo that we use, the plantains that we use are going to be the green plantains. Mm-hmm. Well, as, uh, those are going to be so also what we so use for our, our tostones, right. right? So they're not the ripe ones. They're, they're, they're so green. The ripe ones that we use are going to be um, used for like our maduros, so like sweet plantains. Um, you know, you typically found a lot in a lot of Caribbean uh, cuisine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Yum. And then what you bring in today? Today we have a couple of uh, variations of some of our more popular dishes. Um, so one of them is going to be our pastela or beef empanada. Um, it's made with a carne molida, which is going to be uh, seasoned ground beef. Um, we use a sazon and sofrito combination. Um, in a uh, pastry dough, fried, super tasty, mm. typically served with mayo ketchup. It is the condiment of Puerto Rico. It goes on everything. What, mayo ketchup? Mayo ketchup does. Okay, so is it just mayo and ketchup? It That's it all is. it is? Okay. There's, there's so no secret ingredients Did you today? sit at home today and say, how can I torture two Jews during, <laughs> right. during Passover who can't eat this stuff? <laughs> yes, that was my intention. Aye, aye, uh, aye. And then our Ooh. second item is going to be a tripleta egg roll. So... Um, there is a large Chinese population um, on the Look island. That. So mm-hmm. these are actually going to be kind of a play on um, sort of paying homage to the Chinese uh, population on the island. In addition to the Puerto Rican uh, tripleta, which is a classic uh, sandwich, uh, lunch sandwich in Puerto Rico. So it's got uh, ham, ground beef, Swiss cheese, uh, cabbage, sazon, and sofrito. All the okay, good we're going to take a quick break. When Please. we come back, I want to talk a little bit about more chef, about yeah. chef and sort of the execution of going from food truck to restaurant. Absolutely. Okay. This is David and Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. We are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're talking to Max Pina, who's the general manager at Quiqui and Shaw. Mm. Awesome Puerto Rican food. I'm staring at it. God darn it, it's Passover and I can't eat it, but okay. it looks good. Um, you want to talk a little bit about cocktails and wine? No, and all we don't. That? What we, we don't? want to do is we want to go back to my question that we went to before the break. I like my we question. Wanna, I know, mine's better. Um, let's talk about how the chef went from food truck to restaurant and how he wanted to sort of change what he was offering to, to, to a brick and mortar. Sure. So initially the food truck slash catering company mm-hmm. um, was, like I said, mostly doing events and like local you know, gatherings and whatnot. Um, the feedback was astronomical. Um, the people, Boricuas and other ilks of life all came out and were like, you know, this is some really good comfort food, some really homey home cooking, abuelita, like this is something that really mm-hmm. resonates within our heart and soul. So an opportunity arose where he was offered a location on the second floor of the passenger on 7th Street, and uh, he took it. It was initially- But it's a sit-down, right? Correct. It is a sit-down. We only have an occupancy of 34 seats. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I like to say, we're small but mighty. Mm -hmm. Um, We do typically only reservation. We have a few tables for walk-in. But again, the reception from the neighborhood um, and from all of D.C., and to be quite honest, all of DMV has really been, uh, we've been extremely uh, gracious in in, in their hospitality. So um, we- as we continue to grow, you know, we're starting to see that people from other cultures are really interested in it. And like we, like I said, we were only supposed to be there for 
six months tops. Um, mm. That was sort of the agreement that we had lined out with the landlords um, so there for six months. And then six months came and went, a year came and went. And like I said, we're a little bit over a year and a half now, and we don't have any plans of shutting down. We're, mm. we're growing um, and it's, it's really been quite a success. Okay. Now you can ask your questions. Well, also you, uh, I noted here that you've got Puerto Rican Sundays two to three times a month. Very important. Music. Yeah. So we have um, an amazing uh, bomba band um, mm -hmm. called Hijos de Plena. We love them. They also. Wait, called what? Hijos de Plena. Means. It means sons of the beach or sons of the, the shore. Son of a beach. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so they also own the um, distillery that we love and adore called Clandestino up in Frederick. Maryland. They are a pitorro distillery. Um, we provide a series of different pitorros, which is going to be Puerto Rican moonshine, um, distilled locally, made locally. Um, we love them. But every Sunday, or I'm sorry, uh, twice uh, twice a month on Sundays, uh, we do. We bring them in. We bring in a live band. We run drink specials. We run, run food specials. We have a Domino's night. We set up Domino's so people can come in, socialize, eat good food, party, dance, drink, be happy. Can you find out if they need a lead tambourine player? We, I will absolutely look great. into that. Um, and can you tell us what you brought in? So right here I've got two pouches. Um, you'll see a lot of these pouches served on the beaches, um, especially in the location. Crash Boat is going to be a really uh, popular beach on the island um, where you serve pouches of various cocktails, alcoholic and otherwise. Um, I have... Two here that are going to be filled with jugo de pacha, so passion fruit juice, homemade, uh, with a freshly squeezed lime juice, and a little bit of uh, donku limon if we want to get spicy with it. Mm -hmm. So are you making these and then... We're making everything in-house. You make everything, everything in-house. In Everything's made, yep. And so how do you do the pouches? Is it super simple? Yeah, so we just, I mean, to, we buy the the Donku bottles. Um, Donku has been a really good supporter of us, um, and they provide the the pouches. Um, and then we'll typically run these as specials just for the, um, when the band is there, because people are dancing and moving, mm -hmm. and, you know, you don't want glass um, out on smart. the dance floor. Very smart. Um, but we have been really pushing our cocktail program recently. We're working with an amazing um, beverage director, Lucas Smith. Um, Are we're you doing trying a lot to like screw cocktails. with Nick Farrell over there? Is that what's oh, happening? Oh, no. Nick Farrell's amazing. <laughs> I have the utmost uh, love and respect for him. He was sneaking up behind you with a broken bottle. I was like, why are you creeping on me? Um, so, no, but we are pushing some really amazing cocktails. You know, typically a little bit more tropical themed, but we're doing some fun things. Um, well, I assume it's a lot fashion. of rum, right? It's going to be predominantly a rum bar, yes. Mm -hmm. um, so we do a really interesting rum old-fashioned uh, with chocolate bitters um, called La Hacienda right now. Um, we're using Rombalito Three Star for that. Rombalito is an outstanding distillery in Puerto Rico. Okay. Um, and we work in very close proximity with them. So Great. Yeah. All right. Excellent. So, All right. Tell everybody, please, where they can find you on Insta sure. or so you're gonna online follow, or whatever. You're going to follow us on um, Instagram and Facebook at Quiqui DC. Mm -hmm. um, our location and that's Q-U-I-Q-U-I. Q -U -U yes. Exactly. Q-U-I-Q-U-I-D-C um, on all social medias. And then location is 1539 7th Street, uh, Washington, D.C., Northwest. Oh, great. great. Thanks yeah. so much. Right, Tina, I don't think I let you give your Insta. Can you quickly oh, give yours? Yep. Um, we're at Beauty Champagne and Sugar VA is our Insta. Excellent. Yep. Okay, great. All right, Nick Farrell, come back up to the mic. We got all a right. little more time with you. Wrap it up. So, okay, uh, so well, can you, well I, you and Mike, uh, you and Max Pena are going to be duking it out after the show. I right. Absolutely. Right with Lucas. Um, so, seasons are changing. We got the Nats open. Mm -hmm. I know you're creating a cocktail because of that. Talk a little bit about it. Sure. Uh, this is called a Topps 1989 Rookie Card. It's essentially a Cracker Jack Old Fashioned. So 
infusing pecans into bourbon uh, using a corn liqueur. So wait, is that a bourbon already infused with pecans no, or this is something you're house. doing? Yeah, okay. yeah. So toasting pecans, throwing them straight into bourbon, letting it infuse for about 24 hours, pulling straining those it. off, straining it, uh, mm -hmm. and then doing a little bit of caramel syrup and a heirloom corn liqueur from Mexico called Nixta Ilote. Okay, can we talk about that? What is that? <laughs> it's um, it's no, nope, look at me. Right, oh, yes, it's this stuff right here. Um, mm -hmm. it's a bottle shaped like an ear of corn. Right. Um, essentially, what they're doing is they are distilling liquor with um heirloom corn infused into it. Okay, so. but is it made with like? Oh, I can't pronounce it. What's that fungus of the corn in Mexico? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Or something yeah, like that. I, I can spell it, with but that. I can't pronounce no. it. So okay. Is it, it is not made with wheat lacoche. Is it basically wheat lacoche, thank made you. Made with uh, nixtamalized corn. Okay. So is it basically ethanol that you can drink? Is that? Uh, it's got a little bit of sugar in it. <laughs> um, but the idea behind this cocktail is it's like an old-fashioned. We um, put a clothespin, a little baseball card from the 80s uh, mm -hmm. onto the glass and then spray a little bit of bubblegum aroma over it so it smells like opening a fresh pack of baseball oh. cards. Oh my God, I love that. So. so can we talk about your creative process for something like that? Is it you sitting with other people, spitballing ideas? Like how did that cocktail, I mean, there's a lot going on in that cocktail. I mean, right. it's not like somebody's like, yeah, I mean, I'll just take some of this and some Actually, of this and shake it together. Actually, considering everything else that goes in there, you should try spitballs. <laughs> okay, but I'm fine. Thank you. Um, no, but seriously, like, how? what's your creative process? Sure. Uh, sometimes it's working backwards just off an idea, like figuring out something I love and then saying, hey, how can I make this work? Mm -hmm. um, well, so Cracker Jacks, for example. Cracker Jacks, You love sure. Cracker Jacks? Yeah. Okay, so you wanted to take the feeling or flavor of Cracker Jacks and put it into a drink. Right. Well, well, the idea actually started backwards with baseball, right? Okay. It was, I wanted to make like a baseball-themed cocktail that sort of felt a little bit like my youth. So I always think oh, of Cracker Jacks and guy. baseball. Right. And I loved opening packs of baseball cards as a kid. Mm -hmm. So they um, with that, like, I didn't even... I know, but that gum was like so... Oh, no, that was like great cardboard. Gum. It was so great hard. No, no, no. Okay. It was, oh. it was. I, and, My and, jaw and that was sure. And that was one of those things where, like, before I even knew what I was going to do with it, like, I bought um, a bunch of old, a bunch of old unopened packs from like the 1980s mm -hmm. uh, and just started opening them. And then I was like, all right, well, am I going to make the aroma with the old stale bubblegum? Like, right? how am I going to do this? No, that didn't end up out working which one out. Is worth $500,000 right. is what you're going to do. Exactly, exactly. So like I knew I knew what I wanted the garnish to look like mm -hmm. and then from there it was just a bunch of experimenting and working backwards and trial and error. But were you familiar with the corn liqueur already? Yes, I was. And okay. I knew I knew I wanted to do something with the corn liqueur at some point. Mm -hmm. and and sort of like, like the yeah, it was sort of like the tomato gin where it was something I tried you know, six, 12 months before. And then it just, and I was, and I shelved it and I said, something cool is going to happen with this. I don't mm -hmm. know what it is. And then, and then it happens. Bam, it clicks into place. I you love know? that. So, what um, else is coming up for you? Uh, well, we just opened uh, a spot in New Orleans. Uh, let's see, uh, two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. A brewery called uh, St. X uh, mm -hmm. with an attendant. Um, a uh, barbecue spot called Devil Moon. Uh, mm -hmm. Amazing barbecue down there. Uh, I got to design the cocktails for that, uh, which is really cool. And then we've got uh, Josephine coming up, um, reopening in Old Town Alexandria. 
Okay. So that's going to be um, a French spot. How many places uh, wait, wait, wait. does NRG have? Excuse me. <laughs> in the old, Tell uh, us more. In the old Columbia Firehouse location. Ah, there we go. Yes. Okay. Yes. And you're so, going to be designing the menu there. Exactly. Excellent. Yes. But am I right? There, there are over 20 locations yes. now. Yes. Good Lord. Right. We're New York, Virginia, Maryland, D.C., obviously, now and Nola. now New Orleans. So Babin well. must be I don't sleep in some other language. <laughs> All right. Tell exactly. us where we can find you, Nick. Sure. Uh, you can find me at Show of Hands. You can mm -hmm. find um, Is there an the Insta cocktails. for that, or is it yeah. just Roost? Uh, it's at Show of Hands DC. Okay, and I think at Roost DC. Yeah, right? and That's at well. Roost DC Excellent. As well, okay, so. thanks so much for joining us it. today, and I definitely want to try that cocktail. Um, do you want to say anything before I do my wrap-up? Yeah, real quick, um, I'm going to pound my usual uh, thing here. Um, the war in Ukraine is still red hot, and the Ukrainians are refugees in Ukraine. And out there in the world, and Red Cross, Jose Andres, World Central Kitchen, help them. But also, don't forget all the tornado and vicious storm victims, particularly across the southeast. Um, there are spots in Arkansas that just got devastated. So, you know, everything's cushy here and nice. So open up your wallets, even for a buck, and mm -hmm. help some people out. And I want to remind everybody to please go to the list, com for everything you heard here today. And please mark your calendars on April 27th. Whiskey and the Barrel Night is back. It's going to be at Dock 5. Um, it's an amazing event. It comes here every year. There are over 180 bourbons and scotches and whiskeys from around the world, so you do not want to miss that party. Of course, you can find all those details, again, on the list, areyouwanted.com, including everything you heard here, especially uh, that Gastronomic Week of Catalonia. All the details will be there as well. You want to follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and LinkedIn now. Oh, and don't forget, Industry Night is now on YouTube. Um, we've launched that in conjunction with Hardcast Media. So so you can see all the terrific people we're talking to. Um, we're off for two weeks, but then we'll be back. So you'll be. But we have two rip snorters that are going to be plugged into next week and the week after. Oldies but goodies. Okay, great. I didn't know what that meant. Uh, anyway, so thanks so much Throw for joining uh, joining us today. Everybody have a delicious week. <laughs> <laughs>